Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome to another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. I'm Neil McCready, Zach Barry with me as well today. As always, we're going to talk about uh, some basketball recruiting. We're going to talk uh, football recruiting, the 2022 class. I guess the formal pursuit of it has begun. We'll talk about the importance of that class for Ole Miss, and we'll talk about whatever else happens to come up. We'll get to that in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about Dead Soxie been telling you for a while you need to check out the new line of dead soxy no shows they have nine new styles to choose from so find the style that fits your occasion i wear them all the time they're fantastic they don't slip uh they stay up they keep your feet nice and cool and yet you can look stylish you can look like you don't have socks on but not smell like you don't have socks on and um i don't know some people can do that some people can pull it off they can wear no socks and and they're perfectly good i'm not one of those people I've met a lot of people who are like me, and they can't stand that, and so they don't know what to do, and Dead Soxy is your answer. Their no-shows are perfect, and we'll make them even better. Use the promo code REBELGROVE at checkout. You get 30% off the best dress socks you've ever put on. You're not limited to no-shows. They've got great uh, traditional socks as well, all sorts of different styles and colors and that kind of thing. Also, several bundle packs currently on sale. So you can use your promo code REBELGROVE in addition to these already deeply discounted prices. So go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Make your day a soxy one. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes and business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the product. You'll love the service. Corey always says he wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. People say, what does that mean? And I always say, make the call. You'll start to find out. 662-257-1900. Zach, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Neil, I'm doing well. Uh, I do want to ask you, just let's get it out of the way. Okay. And look, full disclosure, everybody, uh, this is not an intentional troll or me being uh, some kind of rube. Uh, if you don't like NBA talk, I would say hit the uh, fast forward button, probably the 15 second one, probably hit it 10, 15 times. Cause I do have to ask Neil this cause I, I saw the stuff on, on Twitter last night. What happened in the Thunder game? Well, it was a back and forth game. Uh, the Rockets led by two at the half. It was uh pretty even third quarter. I think the Rockets led by five after three. And the Thunder tied it up, and the last couple of minutes were a little baffling. Uh, a couple of things happened that, uh, you know, you change. A couple of things happened that were a little abnormal. Dennis Schroeder missed a layup at the rim. The ball rolled around on the rim, fell off. It's a shot he makes, God, I don't know, Zach, 99% of the time. And then uh, Robert Covington made a fall away that he probably misses. 70 some odd percent of the time. And so, but late, the uh, 
The Thunder were down, I guess, two with the chance, a chance to tie or win. Uh, James Harden made a great play, blocked Lou Dort. Lou Dort had 30 last night for the Thunder. Uh, and a, a remarkable story, a kid that went undrafted out of Kentucky, uh, goes for 30 in a game seven, held James Harden to 17 points. But Harden made the play of the game. He uh, he blocked Dort. Dort got the rebound. It's really weird. I, I still can't exactly figure out what the officials called. But they said Chris Paul called timeout. And I guess at the time, Dort had the ball out of bounds or something. He gave it to the gave it to the the Rockets with one point or two point something left. Uh, Rockets made one free throw, missed the second. So the Rockets are up. Rockets are up to Thunder are trying to inbound the ball. The Rockets commit a foul off the ball before the Thunder could call timeout because they couldn't get the ball inbounds. Danilo Gallinari gets a free th- a technical free throw basically because uh, you can't foul before the ball's been inbounded. He misses, so it's still a two point game. The Thunder get their timeout. They come back in from the timeout. Uh, Shea Gildas Alexander inbounded the ball. The Thunder, for whatever reason, Billy Donovan kept Stephen Adams on the floor, so it was uh, SGA was inbounding. So you had Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, Danilo Gallinari, and Stephen Adams on the floor and I think the play was designed to either get the ball to Paul in the corner or to Gallinari off a pick off a screen and they defended both really well they I think they had PJ Tucker on Chris Paul and they had Westbrook on Gallinari Westbrook was a was not very good offensively in the fourth quarter, but he was excellent defensively, which for Thunder fans has to be just mind-boggling because it's always been the opposite of that. Um, but he, he defended Gallo really well and took that away. And I don't know whether SGA, who's still a young player, had a panic or whether the play just wasn't designed right or whether the players didn't execute it. But he, he still had time for Adams to... To go to the rim, Houston, as you know, plays small. And so they really didn't have anybody who could guard Adams. And then Schroeder was open, and it would have been a long pass, and it would have had to be a really good pass. But Schroeder was open and would have had an opportunity to catch and shoot. Um, But instead, they threw a pass to Adams kind of up at the top of the key, and there was no way he was going to do anything with it. He kind of fumbled it. And the clock ran out because there was only 1.1 left at the time, and and Houston won the game by two, won the series four to three. So it was so uh. a really weird play, probably not the best look in the world for Billy Donovan. The Thunder committed, I can't remember how many turnovers, but Houston scored 28 points off turnovers. The Thunder only scored 12 points off turnovers. Turnovers were a big problem for the Thunder all night. Um, when you hold Houston to 104 points, you should win the game, and and they didn't. It it has to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Thunder had no chance in the next round against the Lakers. I mean, it would have been an absolute bloodbath. But beating Houston would have would have been a real feather in their cap for this season. And and losing that game the way that they lost it, Gallinari gave them nothing. Adams gave them nothing. They didn't get much out of SGA. I thought they kind of fell into Houston's trap a little bit. Houston was not going to guard Lou Dort. 
And if you go back to game five, Dort kept shooting and kept shooting and kept shooting and he kept missing and kept missing and kept missing and Houston blew them out. Well, last night, Dort was, I think, six for 10 from three. I know he made, I know he made 12 buckets, scored 30 points. But I think by them falling into that trap of, okay, we're going to let him shoot. Even if he makes it, we're going to let him keep shooting. And he did. I thought it prevented Gallinari from getting in any kind of a rhythm. And, and Gallinari is a guy who, who requires rhythm. And I thought it really impacted SGA's offense. He, 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 he wasn't particularly involved. So it was a nice win for the Rockets. I think, I think they're going to get popped by the Lakers. I just don't know how they guard LeBron and AD and, and, and even Kuzma with that lineup. But, you know, they built that team, the Rockets did, with the Lakers in mind. And so we'll see. We'll see if it works or not because they're going to get their opportunity. I, I, don't, I don't see it. But it was an interesting game. It was one of two really interesting games last night. The, the Heat-Bucks game was terrific. Didn't end the way probably people wanted it to end because it ended with the referee call and Jimmy Butler going to the free throw line with no time on the clock to win the game. And, of course, he made the free throws, and the rest is, is, is history. But it was oh, a, so the heat, are the Heat up 2 nothing. Heat up 2 nothing. yeah. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. I like, I like Giannis. I like the Bucks. Oh, I like Giannis, too. The Heat create problems for Milwaukee because the Heat can really space the floor. How's Tyler Hero playing? He played really well. He played really well. They're, they're good now. And, you know, Goran Dragic is getting older. But got to give Eric Spolstra a ton of credit. He's kind of revitalized him this year. Dragic was really good last night. He was really good last night. And they don't have to get a lot from a lot of people the way that that team is, is, is designed. And Spolstra, it's really the indictment of Fred Hoiberg. Fred Hoiberg never built an offense around Jimmy Butler. Refused to do it. Mm -hmm. Eric Spolstra built an offense around Jimmy Butler, and it, by God, works. It's really good. I mean, he this is he gets he gets a lot of heat for you know when he had LeBron and D Wade and and Chris Bosh and all those guys. And it was like, oh, this guy he can't coach. He's just a manager. Rolls the balls out there. Mm -hmm. That was unfair then, and it's being proven now. This is this is a, this is a hell of a coaching job. I was gonna say that's unfair for a coach where somebody like LeBron makes it is so good it makes it look like you don't do anything. Because I think I think people said that early on with Steve Kerr, even though you know Steve Kerr has been there, done that, won rings with the Bulls. It was just like oh you know he's not a good coach. He's just he's got Steph, he's got Clay, he's got Draymond. Um, but no, like some things like if you're not a good coach in the NBA, it will show very quickly so um yeah i always thought spolster was a pretty good guy on the on the board x's and o's wise when he was with miami because i mean he look he had a ton of talent but you still got to manage it you still got to manage lebron d wade you know that yeah one basketball no absolutely so. i mean you know it's it's like when people criticize phil jackson like oh well he couldn't win unless he had great players <laughs> well yeah duh i mean of course yeah, <laughs> yeah. but but um, you know but not everybody not everybody won with Kobe. Not everybody could handle Kobe. Not everybody could handle. No, nobody else won with Michael Jordan. And yeah. and Doug Collins is a hell of a basketball coach, but he, he right, did yeah. he, he didn't win with he didn't win with Jordan. And uh, Kobe played for some really good coaches. And the oh, yeah. and the only I mean Dale Harris is a, a really good coach. 
the only coach that that he won with was was Phil. Mm-hmm. And that speaks, you know, I mean, it, it's it's both. You gotta you you gotta be a, a really good coach too. And and I think Spolster is really good. I think Budenholzer is really good with Milwaukee. Nick Nurse is really good with Toronto. I mean, there's there's a lot of really good coaches. Nurse Nurse is great. You know, I mean, Doc Rivers has, has never been able to win, and now he's got this Clippers team, and we're going to find out. And, and you know, it's, it's. I mean, we we've talked about great cut. We hadn't said anything about Taylor Jenkins. I think he did a great job dealing with the Grizzlies after. Uh, yeah. Triple Triple J went down. I mean, I thought that um, they played really well in the bubble. So um, that's another thing you got to manage all that, all those young egos, those high draft picks. I mean, that's. A lot goes into coaching. I know that everybody's good in the NBA, but like it's it's you you gotta you gotta be a fantastic manager, game in game off the court. I mean, it's it's a whole lot goes into that. Yeah, but. Mike D'Antoni's a really good coach in Houston. I mean, everywhere he goes, the the teams are 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 very good offensively, and they won last night because they played pretty good on the defensive end. Because last night the Thunder, it, it, I always find the seven game series really interesting as they get later and later in the series. Scoring gets harder because the other team knows what's coming, and like you saw that in the Denver, Utah series. By the end, I mean getting points was just tough, and typically the the officials let them play a little bit. Last night they yeah. last night they, I don't know. The whistle was fine. There was a couple of moments in the game that were a little tic tac that were kind of weird, but the Thunder yeah. did a really good job on Harden defensively. Again, I think if you had told Billy Donovan before the game. Harden's going to go 17 points on 15 shots. No, that's, that's you take I, that. I think he would have said, holy shit, we won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, but they didn't. And, and uh, it was a hell of a series and okay. a lot of good players and yeah. all that. So, you know, I stayed up and watched it with Carson, and I think he appreciated me watching it. And- now, I was going to say, last thing before we move on, before people throw their phone out their car window, uh, you I mentioned Tyler Hero and you just mentioned Carson. I know he's a big Westbrook guy. It whether he likes Hero or not, when does Carson make the transformation to start uh, doing the fashion thing that all of his favorite players do? Is he going to get into that? Because I don't know if you've seen Tyler Hero's uh, fashion, but it is. I'm unaware of. I'm, I'm aware of Russell Westbrook's fashion, and, and thankful that yeah. Carson has not tried to uh, to emulate that yet. <laughs> what is yeah. what is Hero's? Brand? I mean, just like just the goofy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not like terrible. It's just the uh, that weird mix of. Like the '80s, '90s hybrid fashion with like acid wash jeans, oh, bright colors. Yeah. Um, it, it's just all kind of wacky stuff. But um, yeah, it's great. I whatever, I don't care. I, people get people who get upset about that are, are funny to me. But yeah, Carson yeah. does not. He does not appear to be spending a lot of, of his focus on fashion just yet. Now, now he is he is fascinated with shoes, and I have to remind him, hey, before we spend one hundred and fifty dollars on another pair of shoes. Can we wait and make sure your foot doesn't grow at a, a, a full size in the next two weeks? Because that's kind of a waste. And yeah. I, I suspect that once Carson has completed his growing, that uh, his shoe collection will will become, if if he's able to pull it off financially, his shoe his shoe collection will become impressive. But we have to we do have to sometimes err on the side of practicality right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You gotta got let the growth spurt stop before you make that investment. Yeah, because he's he's growing at a pretty rapid pace, and then you look around at all the kids his age, and they are too, and you're like, hey, dude, we're not. Let's not spend a bunch of money on clothes right now. 
All right, so uh, that's 15 minutes. I'll warn people on the site that it's 15 minutes. You can skip forward for 15 minutes. And now we're going to switch to recruiting. Yeah. I that was my fault. Don't yell at Neil. They're going to yell at me anyway. Everybody's mad at me right now. So that's okay. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, I, I didn't send off the tweet that I wanted to send off this morning because I was unloading the dishwasher and Laura bumped me and I looked up and she didn't have a mask on. And I said, so now, I mean, do you know you're not positive? And she said, well, no. And I said, well, then I have to quarantine for 17 days. So this is all your fault. <laughs> You have uh, to go back to Monroe. Yeah, to I've got to go home. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> can you imagine sitting in Monroe for 17 days? I <laughs> lose your mind. Um, all right. So let's talk some recruiting. I just did a interview uh, for an Oxford Exxon podcast that'll be up in a little bit. Maybe it'll be. I don't know which one will be up first, but you'll hopefully you guys will listen to both. I talked to Kermit Davis for almost an hour. We talked a lot of Ole Miss basketball, and uh, obviously Kermit Davis cannot talk about unsigned recruits but i did mm -hmm. ask him towards the end i said you guys appear to be in the thick of it for a lot of highly ranked guys and i made it vague because i don't want to get him in trouble and and he just you know he talked about his staff and he talked about his um you know a lot to sell at Ole miss with the pavilion and the people and all the things that coaches say but then he said we we're not afraid to take on anybody in recruiting we're gonna we're gonna go after we're gonna go after the big time players. We're gonna go mm -hmm. after them. We're gonna go for it. We know we're not gonna get them all. You're gonna everybody takes L's in recruiting, but um, we're not gonna we're not gonna let that stop us. We're gonna be next. They're gonna go for the when you don't get one, they're gonna go for the next one. And I mean, everybody knows that I have a relationship with Andy Kennedy. We're friends. I like Andy a bunch. I, uh, I will, I will cheer for UAB. I don't mind telling people that I hope UAB wins and wins big. Uh, I like Andy and I will be happy for his success. I did think there at the end during his time at Ole Miss, and perhaps this is just cause you get beaten down. He was there, what, 12, 13 years. You get beaten down a little bit. He coached in the tad pad for a long time. The commitment to basketball was not always what it needed to be at the SEC level. Um, coaching, coaching the tad pads like dog years. Yeah, I mean, so you know, people can get mad if you want, but it, it, come on. Um, but I did think there at the end they had surrendered a little bit in recruiting. They didn't right. necessarily go after the big boys, and uh, and I thought it showed at the very end you know when because if you think about it with ak he uh he took the gamble on on marshall henderson and deserves credit for it because a lot of people didn't want that a lot of people didn't want that headache and andy did it and it was at times a real headache but it also led to uh pretty exciting times and then he he, he thought stefan moody would be an impact player in the sec and he was he thought Sebastian Saiz would be an impact player in the SEC, and he was. And then he thought, and I'm, God, I can't think of his name right now. I bet you can. The kid transferred from Miami. He was a oh, he was a guard. Uh, Dalvin Cook's cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is his name? Burnett. Yep, um, yep. I can't remember his first name. Uh, but yeah. But it's kind of the point. Um, he thought don't he forget, don't forget Cullen Neal. Yeah, that was a mistake too, but Burnett was a bigger one. They thought he would be an impact upper 20s a night player in the SEC, and it turns out he was a role player. 
and they just didn't have they didn't have enough to uh, uh, make up for that mistake. Yeah, that DeAndre was, DeAndre Burnett DeAndre Burnett, and he thought that Raheem Lockhart would make a difference in recruiting. They thought Bruce Stevens would be an impact player. Uh, Stevens was not an impact player, and Lockhart was absolutely not an impact recruiter. And those yeah. mistakes those mistakes cost them. And so you look now with Kermit. He's got a very solid staff, very good staff. They're they're really good people. I like them. I like them all. They're all just excellent human beings. And they're very good recruiters, and they work really hard. I think Levi Watkins is an impact recruiter. I, I think uh, Win Case is a very good recruiter. Ronnie Hamilton is, is a very good recruiter. Those guys are becoming better recruiters. Levi's a star recruiter. And then Kermit's a very good recruiter. Kermit's coached a lot of basketball. Not only as a head coach, but as an assistant coach, he's been with a lot of people, and he knows what he's doing. Very good talent evaluator, and Ole Miss is committed to basketball in a way right now that it's never been committed before, and they're going after the big boys. And he couldn't say names, but I can because the NCAA can't get me, and they're all on furlough anyway. Uh, that was mean, wasn't it? I'm sorry. That was another mean jab. I apologize to everybody in Indianapolis. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Um, but Brandon uh, Huntley-Hatfield, I think there's a real chance it happens. Yeah, I and I will say I took a look last week and at the you talking about just getting worn down with AK. I mean, it was it was brutal. Uh, to I mean, first off. You have Eric Bledsoe in the bag. He's committed. You're going to get this impact five-star dude who's going to come. He's going to de- demand attention on offense. He's going to be a pretty good defender defensively with his length. He's going to score a lot. And then he flips to Kentucky. So that's just just an absolute dagger out the bat. Then you have Kai Madden, Johnny O'Brien, and then Malik Newman was just kind of the, you know, if – if uh, if Eric Bledsoe was the shot, J- Malik Newman was the chaser. I mean, that was where it just – I feel I feel like that just crumbled the, the staff. It crumbled AK, where you have a legitimate shot. I think Malik Newman uh, – I mean, in, as legend has it, Malik Newman and his father both told AK after a game against Mississippi State that they made the wrong decision. That's a, a rumor that I've heard that literally Malik's dad – said we made a mistake but um i can tell you that that is accurate okay so i mean that was just a that was just just you know just punch after punch after punch in the gut to where yeah i think there's a lot of credence to that where ak just finally was like look i gotta i gotta change and i think that's that's the uh that's a sign of a good coach he's making an adjustment he's like look i don't have a lot to work with here at Ole miss we're in this you know very outdated arena I got to make an adjustment, and he did. And he went, and he got Marshall Henderson, he got Stephon Moody, and I think, yeah, he deserves a ton of credit for that. And AK deserves a lot of credit for now that they're in the pavilion because w- even with the limitations, they won basketball games, they got to the NCAA tournament, they won an SEC tournament championship. Um, so leading up to where we are now in 2020, now Kermit and this staff have a lot to work with. And you mentioned Huntley Hatfield, and yes, I absolutely do think that Ole Miss has a legitimate shot here. Corey Evans thinks the same thing. Um, he wrote about it in his mailbag. Uh, he seems to think it's going to be Auburn and Ole Miss kind of going head-to-head here. I think Ole Miss 
really has a shot because you mentioned Levi Watkins. He's done an outstanding job recruiting Huntley Hatfield since he was a freshman when he was in Clarksville. Um, and I think that that's something Corey Evans has talked about it. He talked about it in his mailbag. He talked about it with me where Ole Miss has stuck with him, regardless of where he's been, who he's played for, who's his, you know, who's the front runner for him. You know, everybody thought he was going to go to Kentucky. And, uh, you know, he told, he, he said early on Kentucky was his, was his dream school. His cousin, Alex Poitras played there. He's familiar with Calipari. And I just think that after a while he decided that wasn't for him. And Ole Miss stayed, stayed with him the whole time. And I think that that's resonated. And, uh, Hermit and Levi have an excellent shot at getting the highest rated signee ever for Ole Miss basketball. So this is, uh, obviously a big deal. Guys like this have coattails to where you can yep. start to piece together a uh, more complete 2022 or 2021 class. Now, uh, there are rumblings that he will he might reclassify. Um, yes, I, I I actually anticipate that he will reclassify. Because yeah, because for those that don't know, he was originally in the 2021 class and then reclassified to 2022. But if you add him to James White. Grant Slayton and Deshaun Ruffin, that is a tailor-made class to win a lot of basketball games yep. and to really go deep in March. And it's a class that lets you get into the next class, mm-hmm. which lets you get into the next class. It's I, I've said this before, and I mean obviously it's a, it's not even it's not just in sports; it's in anything. It's much easier to be the second or third guy than to be the first guy. Yeah, absolutely. When you ask the first guy, hey, we've never landed a player like that here. We want you to be that guy. I mean, I know that sounds sexy and all. You're going to be the first. You're going to be a star and all that stuff. But the other schools say, because the other, the other staffs are really good too. I mean, if you just mm-hmm. recruited in a vacuum, yeah, you'd be awesome. But you don't recruit in a vacuum. The other schools are, are good coaches too. <laughs> yeah, this, this league's loaded with good basketball coaches. The other schools say, yeah, you know, I get it. It's a nice arena, and Kermit's a really good coach. But, hey, man, who all they put in the NBA? Tell me about, yeah. tell me about all the Ole Miss guys in the NBA. Because I promise you, Brandon Huntley Hatfield thinks about playing in the NBA. Promise you. That's what I, yeah. I get. I get a kick out of college basketball fans. You're like, I don't watch the NBA. I'm like, well, the dudes you want to recruit, they do. They they watch it more than they watch the college game. Yeah. They, they watch it a bunch. And he wants to get to the NBA. And so, you know, I mean, what was the kid for Auburn that, that tore up his knee in the tournament? Um, you know, he was a first-round pick. I'm sure that, you know, they're, they're using that. Akizi, is that his name? Something like that. Yeah, uh, you remember who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I, I just the year they went to the Final Four and he got hurt. Oh, Ch- uh, Chuma Kiki. Chuma Kiki. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. I think the Magic drafted him first round or something. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I just it's one of the things that Kermit and I talked about it a little bit. It's one of the things that that he's been able to do. He, he uh, Terrence Davis is in the NBA having some success. I think mm-hmm. there's a growing sense of confidence that that uh, Brian Tyree is going to get drafted, likely in the second round. And going to get an opportunity, and uh, and now they have some NBA caliber players on their roster a little bit, and the next step is landing one of these elite guys who 
a couple years into his college career has a decision to make. That's that's the next step, and that's the hardest step. But once you make that step, once you get that guy, it's so much easier to get the next guy like that. Because that guy goes, okay, well, I saw uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield do it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Just, and, and, it's easier. It's just it's always easier right. to follow, and that's not a knock on 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 people. It's it's one of the. I mean, look, look at Alabama football. I mean, the the success that they have <laughs> yeah. is this. I mean, all jokes aside, everybody goes, oh well, they do this and they do this and they do this. Okay, fair enough. But at the end of the day, that's not why they're getting kids. They're getting kids because they're able to look kids in the eye at crunch time and say, we put at your position. We put this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy in the NFL after their junior year, first or second round. These guys made money. And and look, and and also related to that is it's easier for Ole Miss to get the second guy once they get the first one because that's when you knock the the proverbial wall down where it's not – it's no longer hanging over you that you've never gotten a five-star. You've never gotten a top 10, top 15 guy. Once you get that first one, then, like you said, it makes it easier. It's an easier sell for the next five-star for, um, you know, going and telling, hey, look, come be the next Huntley Hatfield, you know, that that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, if, if they're able to get it done and, and to land him, it's it's only going to continue to get to get better in terms of consistently recruiting impact NBA caliber type prospects. Of course. It just, that's, that's how it works. And so they're, they're in on him. They've gotten a really good staff. I mean, really good class put together. He would be, he would change that. He would change the perception of that class. Even if they don't get him, it's a very good class, but getting him, I don't even know where they would rank. They would rank somewhere in the top 10 nationally in, in recruiting. I would, I would guess. Yeah, rivals. I don't think they do the team rankings until very late in the process for each class. But I mean, right now they're probably top. Uh, I'd say top six or seven in the league right now in 2021 with Ruffin, Slayton, and White. Um, yeah, if you get Huntley Hatfield, you're jumping way up the list. Um, and and even even it's not like. Well, they're not all the way up to one or two or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's, it's all it's all about fit. It's all about what you need. Ole Miss will will need guards. With uh, Devontae Schuler being gone after this season, they're going to need more length on the front court. They're going to need more impact scores in the back court. Um, with guys like Austin Crowley and uh, Matthew Morrell, still unknown because he hasn't played a minute yet. Um, but you always need scores and you always need length. And so they're going after that hard. So this is uh, definitely something to keep an eye on in terms of whether or not he reclassifies. And then he's he said he's committing in January on his sister's birthday. But as we all know in recruiting, things can change very, very quickly. And uh, you think she's going to have a different birthday? And that's not Zach. That's not how this <laughs> works. You you once you get a birthday, that's it's your birthday. birthday. What's half birthday of? Of January, it would be uh, July. Well, shit, it already passed. Okay, never mind. See, it'll it'll have to be on January. You're busted. January. You're busted. I mean, you, you just just admit it that you just got owned. You just got yeah. you just got pummeled. 
taken. You know, math is hard when you when you get an undergraduate degree in journalism. Yeah, so. he said he was going to do it on his sister's birthday. So her, her birthday is in January. So that is when he will do it. Man. Said it, he said it on Twitter. There's no taking it back. All right, once it's on Twitter, screenshot. Screen, I say screenshot it, and then it lasts forever. Yeah, I mean, if, Brand, if Brandon Huntley Hatfield decides, you know what, I'm going to do this in December, he'll never have credibility again. He will be... Uh, I guess in in the recruiting world he'll be canceled. If we're if we're still doing cancel culture, if that's okay now. He well, I mean, he'll be. I mean, he'd be like you know we'll have to start fact checking everything that he does. <laughs> he'll I be, mean, he'll be blackballed by NBA scouts. Well, I mean, like you know, like during the debates they're going to fact check the, the the candidates. Whenever he appears in front of the media, someone will have to on the YouTube screen fact check everything that he says. So when he says, yeah, you know, tonight I, I felt like I played pretty well. I, I, I was, what, 7 of, of 11 from the floor. Someone's going to look and go, no, you were 7 for 12, liar. And, and <laughs> it, it'll be, I mean, it, this is, he's got to do this on, on his sister's birthday. So that's that. Um, all right, uh, before we get to football, I'm going to tell you about LB's Meat Market. Right across from Kroger in Oxford, I know Zach is a big fan of LB's. I'm a huge fan of LB's. Uh, whatever it is that you're looking for, they've got the freshest cuts. Whether it is uh, whether it's uh, beef or pork or chicken or seafood from the Gulf or uh, Fresh-made sausages, homemade sausages. LB's has it all right there. 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. You can call our buddy Greg Jones, and you can say, hey, here's what I want. I already know, and he'll get it ready, have it all packaged up for you. Or you can do what I love to do personally, which is to go in, and I say, hey, what's good? And instead of him going, oh, everything's good, just what do you want? He'll give you some ideas. He'll give you some, he'll say, hey, have you tried this? And um, it's always excellent. 662-259-2999. They're open every day, 10 a.m., usually open till around 6.30. If you're coming to Oxford for uh, a tailgate, I know you can't tailgate in the Grove, but uh, breaking, there are other places in Oxford besides the Grove. And uh, you can, if you're cooking at home on a football weekend, you're coming up for a condo or whatever, you're having a watch party and you want to make it extra special, Go to LB's, and when you go to LB's, tell Greg that you heard about LB's on the podcast. Mention the Soft Verbal podcast. You can mention the Oxford Exxon podcast. Um, I don't know. Just mention the MPW Digital podcast, and he'll throw a little something extra in your sack. Maybe some mushrooms, maybe some of the jalapeno poppers, which are phenomenal. It'll be worth saying that to Greg. At LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. All right, so... Uh, I know the other day, September first was a real big deal. You were, you were up all night long chasing uh, twi- tweets and twitters and stuff mm-hmm. because kids got, uh, I guess, kids got formal offers or how, what was the significance of the other day? So September first is the first day that coaches can contact twenty twenty two recruits. So up until September first. The players were able to initiate contact. Now the coaches can reach out to uh, the prospects. So that was the um, importance of that day. 
So it was essentially a day when um, Power 5 teams will send out uh, nice graphics to all of their prospects that they are wanting to recruit. Some are getting offers. Some are uh, just, you know, receiving phone calls, receiving emails, DMs, texts, all that kind of good stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it's something that I know people gripe about, you know, oh, you know, all it is, you're just posting tweets all day. It's not real recruiting information. But look, who coaches talk to on Twitter, who they retweet, who they like, it, it you know, I know, read between the lines was something that's been used a lot on the message board. Um, that is something to, to keep an eye on because it's very telling because we live in a very digital age. Now everybody's on Twitter. Everybody's on Instagram. Everybody's on TikTok. Whoever the coaches are talking to on that site, that is something that you definitely need to pay attention to. Um, Cause that is essentially the, the avenue that a lot of coaches and players communicate through. Um, so, I mean, just, they were throwing out a ton of, uh, like I said, shooting out the, um, graphics of, you know, who they're talking to. Um, there were a lot of, I noticed that they were talking to a ton of prospects from the state of Louisiana. Um, but there was a good mix in there. There was a good mix of, uh, you know, Ty Simpson's the big name out of Martin, Tennessee, the quarterback, top 50 player, uh, the son of Jacob Simpson, the head coach at UT Martin. Um, he is somebody that, you know, Clemson, Tennessee, Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, a lot of big-name programs chasing him. Ole Miss is, is recruiting him. They talked to him on September 1st. Uh, but, but they spread it around. A lot, like I said, a lot of Louisiana, a lot of Texas, a lot of Georgia, uh, and then there's some uh, some new names in the state of Mississippi to know. Uh, J.D. Stewart from Greenwood, um, outside linebacker. He's kind of been under the radar, but a very impressive athlete that they are talking to now. Um, so a uh, lot of a uh, lot of new names to know. LaTerrence Welch, a cornerback from uh, Lafayette, or, or excuse me, Lafayette, Louisiana. There's yes, my, it's Lafayette, Louisiana. There's my J school coming out where they Louisiana Louisiana does it right, and people up here pronounce it wrong. Yeah, I, I do. His high school is is very fun to say. I, Acadiana is one of my yeah. favorite things to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of names. Gavin Wimsat, a quarterback from Owensboro, Kentucky, close uh, close to Nashville up here. I know a lot of people um, buzz about him, a big dual threat quarterback. So. Uh, yeah, go look in the in in the chicks from uh, from Tuesday, and then uh, it it leaked over into uh, Wednesday as well. They're talking to a ton of twenty twenty two prospects, and and we'll kind of we'll we'll kind of segue here, Neil. I do want to ask you about it because I know how I feel about this twenty twenty two class, but this is the one that I think you're going to point to, and you're going to point to when it comes to this Lane Kiffin. Uh, staff and and his tenure at Ole Miss. This is the one that is going to make or break him. Am I right? Th- right in saying that? Um, yeah. In, in the only caveat, and, and I don't mean this to be political or anything. The only caveat would be if, for whatever reason, and I don't think this is going to happen. And this is based on not political things, but talking to coaches around the country. There's a feeling that possibly by January, but certainly when the new cycle officially begins that 
restrictions are going to be lifted. That there's there's going to be visits and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so the caveat would be, if for whatever reason the dead period continued, say in the next summer, I'd, I'd I'd have to we'd have to have a different kind of a conversation. Yeah. But if you remove that and you tell me that it's going to be a quote normal end quote recruiting year, yes, I agree with what you just said completely. Twenty twenty two is. He has two litmus tests coming up, the 2022 class and Arch Manning. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. Um, and I think barring, like you said, b- barring restricting all visits and just being all virtual recruiting, in uh, lack of a better term, that would suck for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. That yeah, would suck. of course. Because – Excuse me, because this the staff is young, they're they're personable, they're energetic, they're excited. They they need to be they need to see players in person. They need to see families in person. They need to bring them to Oxford. Oxford is a huge selling point. The campus is a huge selling point. They need that desperately in recruiting. It's hard to compete with the Alabamas, the LSU's, the Auburns, the Georgias, the Florida, the Florida States. It's hard to compete with those. Um, and look, tongue and cheek aside, with you know recruiting, and everybody knows what everybody does. Ole Miss does it too, but it's hard. And and, and even with that said, academic counseling. Staff, yes, um, and uh, I, I forgot to mention Tennessee. Their their introduction uh, introductory class to Zoom is making all the difference in this class. But oh yeah, um, for sure. But they their, their, need... their connection on Zoom is so HD. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, 4K UHD. Yeah, have you heard about it? It's almost like it's 3D. It's incredible. You can Uh, can literally see the beads of water on the asparagus like fall down. It's great. Yeah. It's Um, oh man, it's remarkable. (laughs) But yeah, so like Kiffin's a Kiffin's a funny guy. He's in the weirdest way, Neil, because you've been around him. You've been on Zoom calls. You've seen him, but we've all seen him on. He is the. It's it's this weird combination of awkward. And charismatic, and I, it's it's fascinating. Like he's he's very subtle with like his jokes, and he does this little smirk when he makes them, and he does the little like rat poison thing, which is hilarious. And I feel like he is like one of few people that could probably make Nick Saban laugh. Um, but he, you need to be in person to see that, to feel that, and you need to to be on campus. You need to like like that's the thing. Like I've never been on a visit, a college visit. I wasn't a high-profile player, but I feel like that's that's how you separate who's real and who's not. When when these kids make these these top fives, these top threes, typically in a regular recruiting cycle, you're going to pick your top three and you're going to go visit those three, and then you're going to decide. Well, they can't do it in in this class, but yeah, they need that. And then you brought up Arch Manning. I think right now we're saying for the first part of that, we're barring all virtual. I think Ole Miss will be just fine in recruiting with the staff. And I've said it. I'm pretty sure I'm on record, and I'm pretty sure I said it on the message board. Barring NCAA probation, I think Ole Miss lands Arch Manning. Now, oh, wow. I, I'll say, you know, big-time NCAA trouble like I'm they were making with you freeze. Making a note. Yeah. Or, 12.06 uh, p.m. September 3rd. Central Daylight Time. Make sure to notate that. 2020. 12.06 P.M. C.D.T. Arch Manning 
to Ole there Miss. And if it doesn't happen, what 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 are you willing to put up as collateral here? If it doesn't um, happen, I'll do. I'll, I will do something. Uh, I'll come. I'll come to Oxford. We can do it on a hand raise, guys. I'll do some kind of punishment via spicy food or some kind of eating challenge. Okay, fair enough. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. That's but yeah, bold in of all, you. Yeah, in all seriousness, I think Ole Miss is the is the front runner. I think you would agree. Yeah, I think it's so. Early. I think so. It's 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 really early, and um, I mean, if this were a political race, since politics are talked about a lot these days, if this were a political race, we would be in the very early stages of primaries. Right. No one would be uh-huh. anywhere close to the nomination. Yeah, I I think. I feel very strongly that Ole Miss is the favorite. And- We'd be at the stage where, you know, like, remember the, the early Democratic debates where it was like 27 people? It wouldn't be that many people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, wait, can, how are you guys figuring out who, I can't remember who taught last. It'd be more like 12 candidates. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Ole Miss. It'd be like those campaign, the early Republican deals in 20, 2016 when, Trump would just call everybody a name and you would think this this is no way this is going to work and sure enough oh he's like oh, there's uh, lazy jeb and and uh and and so I can't can't remember what all I called Ted Cruz and there were all these but they were all it, we'd be in that stage where it was all these people up there and you're, it's too early to really declare a favorite but you kind of had a little mm-hmm. subtle feeling yeah I think I think that's that way about about Arch Manning and the Ole Miss I I think I don't think he's Ole Miss's to lose yet but i i think almost probably wouldn't trade its place with anybody else yeah i mean it's very obvious where his father and i'm assuming his mother lean i mean cooper's an old miss fan cooper loves old miss he's always in oxford they have a house there they spend their weekends there i mean arch and cooper were in oxford a couple weeks ago now whether that was because Arch wants to go to Ole Miss, or they were just having a weekend. Who knows? But I think Ole Miss is in a good spot, and I, I've told people I think he goes to Ole Miss or he goes somewhere random. Like I don't think he's going to LSU. I don't think he goes to Tennessee. I, I've told people like I think it's either Ole Miss or like Oregon. Like I think he's going to do his own thing and just go off. LSU has um, some issues right now. Oh, do they? Neil? I mean, it's a it weird. Is. It's a weird deal. It. it Boy. I mean, on on one hand, you, you can never take 2019 away from them. It, they had the perfect season. Literally, everything. They won everything. Everything. I can't think of anything they didn't win. Yeah. But, uh, boy, I mean, here we are eight months later, and it's, whoo. Oh, it's falling apart. It's, it's, it's almost like that. Have you seen that image that's circulated on the internet? For years now, some guy, a hurricane, where he's standing out in the street with no shirt on, big burly guy, beard. He's holding an American flag and a gun, and it's like pouring down rain. He's wearing jorts, and he's just screaming. And it's like a picture of him just like out in the elements, just like, no, not a care in the world. I have an American flag and a gun. I feel like that's like the perfect meme for Ed Orgeron and LSU right now, where it's like, look, we won it all last year. We don't care about 2020. Come get us. Well, it's um, almost like they, they said, he said, hey, football gods, if you'll just give me the one magic season, yeah, 
you can take it all away afterwards. <laughs> soul to soul. And the football goal, football, football God said, all right, good enough. Yeah. And boy, I mean, they won everything, man. Every, I mean, you, you cannot have a better football season than LSU had in 2019. It, it's not possible. I mean, literally the only thing that you could do to top that is the NFL calls you and goes, would you like to play in the Super Bowl? And you go, yeah, and you win that too. That's it. But, man, it, it is like the soul being sold. Yeah, it's like we, we, we want this magic night, even though but when the clock strikes midnight, man. It's, I mean, I, I know we're mixing all sorts of metaphors here, the football gods and Cinderella <laughs> and the whole deal, but it's remarkable how it's just kind of falling apart and, and Orgeron just can't seem to get a hold of it. I mean, he's he's showing up for team meetings. There's only six people there. Uh, he, you know, that's the crazy part about that is he said, "I didn't know, I didn't know the players were marching," and I actually sort of believe him. They called and said, "Hey, we're at the president's office or house or wherever wherever they went." Yeah, and and you, you need to, we want you there. And he's like, "Oh, I, I'm on my way, on my way." I I kind of believe him. The fact that I believe him tells me that he's lost his team. Yeah, I was gonna say, lost, lost the locker room is a is a legitimate thing here. Like it, it it's when your team is doing that and you have no idea whether or not he's being truthful or not. I mean, that's not good. And then you've got your best receiver opting out. You've got. Uh, Tyler Shelvin opting out, a big defensive lineman. Now, whether or not they're opting out just to stay safe and just get ready for the NFL, that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, he needs those players. He needed Jamar Chase. He needed Tyler Shelvin. I mean, you've got an unproven quarterback. You No more Clyde Edwards-Elair. No more Dave Aranda. No more Joe Brady. Joe Burrow is gone. It's it's going to be interesting. Like I, It's it's always a joke that I that I tell every single season. LSU is always going to be preseason top 15, no matter what. It is always there. Like, Wisconsin's like that. Michigan's like that. Um, It's gotten to where Utah is like that. Um, And now some of that comes with winning and being consistently uh, in that arena. But it's almost to where LSU is 40 to 1 odds to win the national championship again just because they did it last year. It's like on the same – it's almost similar to where you say, oh, well, they've got – They've got good depth and a lot of experience. Well, that depth and experience is was, was shitty a year ago. So is it just going to be good now? Like, yeah, they won it all, went undefeated, and Heisman, you know, Mackey Award. I mean, they, they you know, whatever. They won all the awards. They won all the titles. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't matter anymore. So why are they 40 to 1 odds to win the national championship? Why are they picked to win eight games? Like, that, ugh. Yeah, it's funny. They'll be lucky to get to seven. You and I were having this conversation a little while ago about, you know, and look, fans are fans, and thank God for them and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I, I think every year ULM is going to win the national title. And, <laughs> and and in water skiing, we typically do. Uh, but it's it's that, that like, fans do the thing with, like, oh, you know, well, Kentucky, they look, they look at the schedule and they go, okay, Florida's probably going to be tough. Not going to beat Alabama. We're going to get Kentucky. I look at Ole Miss' schedule right now, and I think LSU's a more winnable game than Kentucky. If I'm ranking the win- winnable games, LSU is much higher on the list than, oh, hell. I'll, Everybody I'll, in the SEC West except for Arkansas and State. I'll tell you, here's the way to look at it. Can 
Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy outscore Miles Brennan. That's the way you need to look at that game. Yeah. And who's to say they can't? Well, I just don't know if, if they're falling apart this quickly right now when they're still undefeated. What will they look like in the last week of the season when – because there's going to be – I mean, look, this isn't a knock on LSU or a knock on Orgeron. This is just human nature. After you have a season like the one they had a year ago, there is going to be a certain degree of letdown. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, that I mean, was – they had a – literally can't top what happened. No, I mean, they had a magical year. And late in the year, they were just unstoppable. I mean, offensively, they were just a juggernaut. And – you're not gonna be able to pull, you're not gonna be able to replicate that uh, for for many reasons. Number one, COVID and all the people there are not as many people in the stands. It's not gonna have the same atmosphere. I don't know that you're gonna be able to be. I don't know that you're gonna be playing for a bowl game because there might not be any bowl games. I don't know what it's gonna look mm-hmm. like, but you're not going to be a, a title contender in my opinion. And so I wonder if they'll have the same edge at the end of the year. And on the flip side, and I could end up being wrong. And if I'm wrong, it's twelve fifteen Central Daylight Time. I will. Uh, I will bring Zach down here and make him do some gross eating thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I don't think there's a win-loss record one way or the other that would lead Ole Miss to be flat and done at the end of the year. I I think they know this is a bit of a free shot year. This is a year that will be judged on things beyond wins and losses. And – I don't know. If you told me that Ole Miss pulled off an upset at the end of the season and finished strong with a win over LSU, I, I would I would believe that more than I would, hey, Ole Miss in week two goes to Kentucky and beats a pretty solid Kentucky team. I, seriously, if you told me one, yeah. one of the two things happened, I'd say, oh, they, they beat LSU. Okay, if they get one more upset or just and or another upset, I have one in mind. Okay. Who do you think they, who do you think they can pick off? Okay, so I don't think they can beat Florida. In week one. I just don't. I, I don't think they can beat Alabama. Um, I'm not buying all of the hype on Texas A&M, but I think Texas A&M will be significantly better than Ole Miss this year. So I don't think they go to College Station and win. Okay. okay. Um, I think they're going to beat Vanderbilt. I think they're very likely to beat Arkansas. And I think there's a real solid chance that they beat South Carolina and Mississippi State. So that leaves Auburn, LSU, who am I forgetting? So I, I guess it. So the, the the upset games for me, if you told me if, if you let me have the 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 four games that I think are on paper winnable, and, mm-hmm. and those are in order Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Mississippi State, South Carolina, in my opinion. Okay. If you told me there was another one after that, I would say it was LSU. And then if you told me that there was another one after that, I would probably say Auburn. Wow. That is – wow, okay. Um, What would you say? So mine is A&M because I don't understand. So this goes back to what I said about experience and depth that was – you know, not good a season ago. Why is it better this year? Just because it's back. Uh, same applies for somebody like Kellen Mond. I've just never been impressed with Kellen Mond. He's always just kind of okay. He's never been great. He's never been terrible. He's just kind of right there below the Mendoza line or right above the Mendoza line for me. And I 
feel like that they play A&M later in the season. I feel like by that time, they could potentially be checked out. Jimbo just seems like he's just mailing it in, collecting a check at this point. Um, I mean, Ole Miss is, should have beat them last year without that weird fumble. And, hell, they had a shot uh, the year before, before Scotty Phillips went down and, and uh, you know, got weird at Kyle Field. I just think that A&M is just kind of okay. I don't understand the hype around them. Um, so that's who I think they could pick off. Now, Auburn is interesting because they lost a ton on defense, and it's just, you know, Bo Nix. He was good in, in spots last year, and he was bad in spots. Now, I know he was a true freshman. Um, he was pretty but, good towards the end, though. He really was. He, he, he played well against Alabama, for example. He he cashed in that week one victory over Oregon. Oh, man, he lived off that thing for weeks. Yeah, for a long time. Um, now, I think, I think Bo Nix is a good quarterback. I don't, I'm not saying he's bad, but uh, that one can get weird because, look, is – is Chad Morris calling plays or is Gus Malzahn calling plays? Like, how's that going to work? Um, they, they've they got some good players on defense. Uh, I really like K.J. Britt. Um, Owen, Owen Popo is, is a really good linebacker. They're always going to have great front, front seven players. But, yeah, that one can get weird, too. I don't hate that pick. Um, but, yeah, I, I think A&M. I just – I don't know. They just don't do it for me. Yeah, I – and don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm not. I'm not one of these people who go, "Hey, and M's a title contender," because I don't think they are. I just, but I, I just think they're going to be solid. Mm-hmm. And you know, look, I hope I'm wrong because covering a, a a really fun story with Ole Miss overachieving in year one would be a lot more fun than covering what we've covered the last few years. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if I'm if I'm being honest, when I look at Ole Miss, I, I see okay, well, they're unproven at quarterback. I think that's more than fair. Uh, you know, I think the quarterback's going to be Corral, and I think Corral has an upside. I think he has a pretty good upside. Mm-hmm. But Matt hasn't proven yet on the field that he can go win games. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't proven that yet. I mean, he hasn't done it. You know, I mean, so I don't think that's I don't, I don't think that's a, a critical statement. I think they're very good at running back. I think they're going to be pretty good up front, provided they can stay healthy. Uh, I think they have a chance to be pretty solid in the in the receiving game. Some guys have to step up, but I do think there's some candidates there. Defensively, I, I, I don't like them up front. Uh, obviously, if they get Sam Williams back and things are trending in that direction, they're even better at linebacker. That helps a lot. I think they're going to be pretty good at linebacker. Um, I think they've got a chance to be solid at corner, and I worry about the back end of their of their defense. And then I don't think they're going to be a very good team in the kicking game. So it's difficult for me to look at Ole Miss and go, "Oh yeah, seven eight wins." I I, I mean, I, I can't I can't do that realistically. But if you mm-hmm. told me that they won, you know, if you told me they won four games and 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 then pulled off a and look, there's going to be a COVID game if some for somebody somewhere. Where a team is a little bit decimated in terms of, you know, they've had too much, too many close contacts, and 13, 14, 15 guys have to sit out a game, and that makes them susceptible. And yeah, and an upset happens. Sure, I'd buy that. I mean, if you told me that, you know, Auburn had a kind of a COVID week and Ole Miss beat them in Oxford, or you know, I'd buy it. But you know, if I'm if I'm willing to do that, I'd have to say. 
on the flip side, if you told me that Ole Miss had a COVID week and lost at Arkansas, I'd have to say, okay, well, that's possible too. It's just a weird year. And there's, I mean, who knows what it's going to really look like by the time we get to game day. But I mean, I think you have to acknowledge that there's a possibility that there's every team has a, a weird COVID game one way or the other that, that really impact the final standings. Yeah. It's yeah. And like you said, if, if, if Ole Miss can manage four and six, I think that that's absolutely a, a phenomenal season. I mean, that's what would you say the equivalent the equivalent of maybe seven and five? Well, yeah, eight and four, uh, seven and five. Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. yeah, yeah. And if if I had told you that hey, this was this year that in a, in a non COVID year this team went seven and five, they would open their season on Sunday against Baylor. If if we were having that conversation and I said, hey, the the football gods came down and they told me. They didn't tell me who Ole Miss beat or lost to, but they, they go seven and five. You'd be like, oh wow, holy cow! Yeah, yeah. So if they win, if they win, if they go four and six, and the six aren't just embarrassing throttlings like like you mentioned, yeah, I think that's a success. That's something they can build yeah. on. I, this is because this is all about recruiting the twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two classes right now. Absolutely. This is because there's there in my mind, and feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong. I I don't think there's a chance in hell that you, you're going to disagree with me here. There's no scenario where this team wins the SEC West or wins the SEC. I I don't I don't think that's yeah, realistic. No. So if a championship's not involved, and I don't think it is, and if a bowl game's not involved, and I don't think it is, this season is about establishing a culture and establishing what you're going to recruit to and that kind of thing more than it is wins and losses. What if they what if they do this, Neil? What if Lane Kiffin says that every game is a bowl game? There's uh, a loophole for you. I would strongly encourage him not to say that <laughs> at that point. Yeah. I, I would I would hope that someone would reach out and say, Are you okay? Yeah. Maybe did, you know, did, hey. did, did, did something did something climb into your ear and start eating your brain? I mean, what what's going on? No, I would I would I would be shocked if, yeah. if the football gods came down and said, "Hey, Lane Kiffin's going to do this gimmicky thing where every game's a bowl game." I'd look at the football gods yeah. and think, "You're messing with me right now." You think he might have been spending too much time at the library? I just I think if anything, he will he will underplay publicly yeah. what the season is. You you know here's the here's the thing where. One might say, you know what, it's a bummer they can't play Baylor because the national stage, going against Dave Aranda, Power 5 matchup, non-conference, all that, you know, playing in Houston. Yeah, okay, that sucks. You can't do that because that would have been a great thing to market your brand, your program for recruits in a state that you're going to recruit heavy. But on the flip side, you get 10 games, all SEC opponents, and they're all going to be televised. So w- no matter what time it is, no matter if it's 11 a.m., 2.30, 8.30, you're going to have your your product on the field on national television for these recruits to see. So, look, l- like you said, can't get blown out. Got to show you compete. Got to show, hey, this is what we're doing. This is our brand. This is our, our mindset. And you got to sell it to recruits. That's what they've been hired to do. And uh, I think barring, you know, COVID taking over and canceling the season, I think that this staff is going to be able to do that. Regardless of wins and losses, they're going to be able to, to put a product out there that is attractive to recruits. And uh, it'll be fun to cover 
Hopefully. Unless they, uh, the dead period just never ends. Yeah, I agree with all that completely. And and it's going to end. I, it, people are, people, I can say this, people in intercollegiate athletics are fed up. They're, they're done. They're ready to, they're ready to resume. Mm-hmm. The, the, the numbers, the numbers do not support the actions. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's been high school football games being played for weeks now. And I mean, I, I don't know. What is it like? Is it, have we hit 30,000 high school football players have already died? Is it, it's not quite 30,000, right? It's like 29, eight. And I'm, I'm not, not sh- I think yeah, as I'm long sure. as, as, as long as the roster isn't completely decimated, like as long as half of the kids on each high school team survive, I, I think we can keep playing. Yeah. You only need 22 to play both ways. Well, you, I guess, I, you I only guess need 11. 11. You only need 11. Yeah, 11. As long as 11 kids live. So really, I mean, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, 22 to play a game. So yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, you, you need 11 on each team to play the game. and So so last thing here, Neil, unless you had anything else. No, I'm, I'm good. I've, I've hit the sarcastic part where everyone hates me. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just taking over. Uh, so I, I, I want to throw this at you. Since college football is back officially, uh, I was listening to uh, the No Laying Up podcast, The Trap Draw. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. It's a uh, quote-unquote golf podcast. This is kind of the one-off one they do where they have uh, guests come on and they preview uh, the city where the golf tournament is that weekend. I have. I am I am familiar with the podcast. It's not one that I listen okay. to regularly, but I am aware yeah. of it. Well, you'll have Sally on. The, uh, yeah. yeah. The Oxford Next Time podcast. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they've been previewing cities for each tournament. And so this week it's at East Lake, which is in Atlanta. So they had one Spencer Hall on to uh, talk about Atlanta. Uh, and towards the end, they talked about this, uh, this piece that he did back in 2012. Uh, and it was your BCS team as a drug. Do you want me to run through the SEC for you? Sure. Okay. Alabama is cocaine. Okay. Undefeated except for the big blank spots in the record taken by criminal sanction. It's powerful. Can turn you into an unbelievable asshole. Expensive and has a strong correlation with criminal behavior brought to you by a vast shadowy cartel. That's Alabama? That's Alabama. That's fair. Okay. Um, Auburn is knockoff cocaine for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, Florida is meth. <laughs> okay. Really one, really only got big after 1990. Violent binges <laughs> interspersed with long dormant periods. Yeah. Uh, this one's good. <laughs> Georgia is Xanax. Uh, zero pattern, pretty good, but not great. Numbing. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> um, true. So they were running through these with Spencer, and he was like, "Yeah, these all kind of still apply." Uh, the one for Ole Miss is yeah. great, and he was like, "This makes even more sense because of Kiffin." Uh, Ole Miss is keyboard cleaner. Now, what is that? Oh, you've never seen that. So it's uh, like the the cans. Um, they look like spray, like a spray paint can, uh, but you have a little long, kind of like a straw looking thing. And you use it to blow out your keyboard. Oh, okay, yeah, apparently, yeah. Apparently, you could huff it. I, I didn't know that. Um, but uh, okay, he said it makes more sense because Lane's there. I'll take his word for it. Um, <laughs> Mississippi State is uh, mescaline. No, what is that? Uh, all it says is mescaline because you hear bells too, right? <laughs> um, so I'm assuming it's an, a, a hallucin- hallucinogenic drug. Um, let's see. A&M is acid, the drug most compatible with creating cults. 
wild visions never wear off. Uh, makes you say things like, hey, did you notice dog and God are the same words? <laughs> um, yeah, it's just some good ones. LSU's bourbon, Tennessee's ketamine. Vandy is nutmeg. This one's funny. Horrible <laughs> visions, nausea, the last resort of desperate sailors. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. He does. That's pretty he does good. The, he does the Big Ten. He does the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC. So it's uh, it's good. Um, was there any team that you're curious to know before we uh, before we go? What South Carolina? South Carolina is gas huffing. <laughs> What's Arkansas? Arctic- <laughs> so Arkansas, I don't know how you say this. It's A Y A H U A S C A. No clue. A A Huasha. I, I don't spend a lot of time doing drugs, so I, I clearly don't <laughs> haven't heard of this one. Yeah, I, I don't need a, a potent hallucinogen. Quote a religious sacrament that makes you see demons. <laughs> um, so there you go. It's um, so funny to me the, the juxtaposition from the kids that I know who go there, obviously, and then their fan base. It's it's yeah. it's a funny thing because their fan base is nuts, and the kids that I know who go there are like these really normal kids. Yeah. It's, it's just funny. The one that made me like audibly laugh was Michigan, and Michigan is opium. It's the nineteen thirties intellectuals heroin, a gentleman's crack, if you will. Because you know, you know the those Michigan men, they're so so proper. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. All right, Zachary. I appreciate the time as always. Uh, I hope that we gave our critics enough recruiting that uh, they feel like they got their fix. Again, we apologize for the first 15 minutes of this show. Uh, we will, we will pay our penance somewhere down the road for Zachary Barry. I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of the soft verbal podcast presented by dead Soxy. Don't forget deadsoxy.com Enter promo code rebel grove at checkout, get 30% off all of your orders, including their new no shows uh, until next time. Take care.